circle, and the Wolverines take a 1-0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Cambellini. This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets, swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingvals, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room, towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Guilt, blast, pound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off. Back. Return to base immediately. Ride music beam back to base. Stay out of that time flak. All pilots, ride pan pipes back to base. Well, it's uh, just about 6.30 p.m., and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Oh, yes, April showers bring May flowers. Oh, wait a minute. The flowers came in in March. <laughs> yeah, we had April and March and March and April, and uh, it's already construction season here in town. I just uh, drove up Packard, and it's virtually bumper to bumper from about Hill to Stadium. Yep, you need an encyclopedia to keep track of all of these uh, projects here in the summer here in Ann Arbor, and obviously it's also parking availability season, so come downtown and enjoy yourself, and I uh, just wanted to give a quick plug, uh, since we're, we'll talk about the Mayflowers here in a second, I noticed that tonight at Cafe Ambrosia, which is a, a supporter of WCBN, so I'm not uh, at all uh, Oh, feeling guilty about mentioning these uh, great folks over there at Cafe Ambrosia, but they, of course, have Maynard Street. Maynard Street, kind of near the parking. It's actually probably a a dry spot at the moment. Yeah. It's underneath the canopy, so to speak. But uh, they have a documentary uh, festival, and tonight's movie is particularly good. I highly recommend it if you're uh, out and about. Go check out The Corporation. Oh, Yes. That was an outstanding documentary that came out several years ago and uh, is a historical review of how the Supreme Court back in the 19th century uh, reached the conclusion that a corporation is a person. And, of course, this is going to be one of the fundamental uh, talking points of Mitt Romney's uh, presidential run. That's right. Obviously, we're down to uh, Moe and Shemp, (laughs) the big fig, a.k.a. Curly has decided to pack up the spikes. Buttered to a halt. <laughs> that spinning uh, maneuver <laughs> in, in, the ro- in the roller derby. Uh, we can talk a lot about doing an autopsy on the demise of good old Newt Gingrich. Don't call me the big fig. But uh, in any case, the corporation uh, is a very, very good 
uh, historical review of the history of the corporation. And, of course, we're living in a... Uh, we used to live in a material world. <laughs> now we're living in the corporate world. Corporations right. have more and more power. Uh, of course, the Supreme Court and Citizens United has given them even more power. And uh, it's getting scary out there. So uh, I highly recommend this movie, um, this documentary, at Cafe Ambrosia that starts usually around 7. And they frequently have a kind of an informal discussion. Afterwards... Uh, you, it's down in the basement. You can get a beverage of your choice and uh, learn something that's important. Well, and discussion is key because, of course, the corporate-owned media doesn't want to discuss this issue at all. Uh, whenever it's treated uh, seriously, uh, it's given very short shrift, and it's sort of community discussions that will... Uh, enable Americans to sort of get up on top of this mentally. Uh, what we'll do to sort of unravel the corporate power is, of course, another question. Uh, most of us don't have the resources. And, of course, that's the brilliance of this construct called the corporation is that you create this artificial entity uh, which can absorb money from all sites, uh, sorts of outside sources, uh, but then has this unique individual status. Right, and it, it and it's the liability issue. They're not liable for criminality. Uh, they uh, insulate themselves by so-called incorporating. And I, th my recollection, I haven't seen this movie in a while. I actually saw it twice when it came out. Um, but I think they do a little short review of how the corporation developed over time. It's interesting to note that the bond market, so to speak. Uh, preceded corporations because um, the monarchs mm -hmm. of Europe frequently had to raise money to fight wars. And that's how the bond market developed in uh, the Renaissance in Italy and probably even earlier with the Crusades. Um, frequently the Catholic Church was bankrolling yep. war, so to speak. And uh, the corporation... Um, during this era of American history, of course, this was the robber baron era. We had amazing concentrations of wealth. And uh, there are many in America that pine for the good old days. And I like to point out that the good old days weren't that good. <laughs> Actually, pretty damn bad. They were old. And farmers, of course, went belly up frequently uh, in the 19th century because they had to borrow money uh, to... Uh, obtain land, obtain seeds, etc., and frequently the old vicissitudes of weather, yep. among other things, uh, would doom the crop. And uh, this, of course, contributed, was a big factor in contributing to the uh, collapse of capitalism in the, uh, with the Great Depression. As farm prices plummeted, land values plummeted, and, of course, uh, people couldn't pay their debts, and we saw a repeat of that, unfortunately, um, big time in 2007, 2008, uh, before Barack Obama uh, received uh, the nomination. Interestingly, on the weather, I just wanted to highlight something that I saw a couple weeks ago. Uh, this uh, was actually widely reported. I heard this first on the BBC, but uh, this was the weird weather that people were talking about in March. And remember that in the last couple of weeks here in Ann Arbor, it's probably felt cold, but it's actually been pretty normal. 
And if you've checked out the temperatures out west, it's been unusually hot. Um, I was listening to a Cleveland Indians game just a couple weeks ago. It was 90 degrees in Oakland one day. 90 degrees. And that's an area of the country that rarely sees a 90-degree day, let alone in April. But uh, scientists have reported regarding these heat waves, says the United States government scientists recently reported, for instance, that February of this year was the 324th consecutive months month in which global temperatures exceeded their long-term average for a given month. 324 consecutive months. That's getting on in 30 years in a row. That's what you call a trend. A, a pattern. Trend. I mean, patterns are yeah. irrefutable. The sun comes up, the sun goes down. There it is. That's the pattern. We see it unfold every day. No, no, say uh, the rush and the... Uh, the know-nothing uh, right-wingers, oh, it's a conspiracy, it's a fraud, there's no such thing as uh, climate shift or global warming. It's a bunch of tree-huggers. And, of course, the interesting thing is the last month with below-average temperatures was February 1985. Uh, many of us, maybe listening to the show, weren't even born yet, uh, let alone uh, driving uh, SUVs. Yeah. So, um, and of course, the world population since 1985 has exploded. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's uh, among our main long-term problems globally. Well, think of how many more cars there are on the road since 1985, too. Well, yeah. China, India, uh, Brazil, uh, parts of the world where uh, the economies have been expanding. Uh, They're consuming oil at a rate unimagined. Uh, in 1985. And, that you know, it's important to realize that China, of course, now is the number one car market in the world. More cars are sold in China annually than the United States. Um, so this is uh, scary stuff. March, for the record, uh, uh, I think in Michigan was considered the fourth warmest ever. And I saw in the New York Times that March in New York City was the second warmest ever. And there were three different days in which all-time highs were set. So uh, sometimes when, you, when it seems cold in Ann Arbor, uh, check out the old weather map and see how warm it is someplace else uh, in other areas of the country. Because if you notice the change in weather patterns, one of the long-term changes that's occurred in the last uh, 50 years is the notion of the pre- prevailing westerlies have been taken over more by a bigger dip in the jet stream. And that's why you how have deep that trough goes, how right? deep it goes. And that's why, for instance, we had a warm winter this year because the northern jet stream was well north of the continental United mm-hmm. States. I don't think we had a day below zero in, in Ann Arbor. No, I doubt it. And I don't even remember that many days where it was even below 10 degrees. And that's almost unheard of. <laughs> I mean, we know how cold it can get here. And yes, we've had a couple of cold days in the last week. Uh, close to frosts uh, in uh, in Ann Arbor and certainly probably some frosts in some surrounding areas. But just remember, it was unusually warm out west. It was in the 80s, upper 80s in many places. And uh, it's very interesting. Uh, I subscribe to the New York Times and frequently look at the weather map, but it's very interesting to see, uh, you know, because they put out 25 cities. And it's interesting to compare the trends in various cities. Because you can see from the weather map where it's way above normal versus where it's possibly even slightly below normal. 
And as far as above and below normal is concerned, uh, all bets are off as to what summer will be. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it could be really, really hot. It could be plot. Well, two summers ago, uh, I think it was in 09, uh, we had a very unseasonably cool summer, which I thought personally was rather refreshing, but uh, a lot of people were disappointed in. And oh, again, there's the, oh, how can they say there's global warming when it's such a cool summer? Right. That's not really the right phrase. It's the climate shift in this trough and its highs and lows are really the indicator there. So we'll see what summer holds. And, of course, glaciers globally are retreating everywhere, yeah. except for one area, only one area have they documented any real increase in glacier um, growth. That's so Dick Cheney's heart? Well, it, it might be. Uh, of course, Dick Cheney probably couldn't make it up to, to Mount Everest these days uh, unless uh, they carried him up on a drone. <laughs> That's a nice mental picture. That's a mighty, mighty big drone that they're going to need for that, although Cheney is uh, looking uh, much thinner than he used to. In fact, he actually now does look like Mr. Burns. Oh, there you go. He's got the right head and <laughs> sloped shoulders. He's, he's got it all going. Excellent. Excellent. But, uh, yeah, there are, there is a little part in the biggest mountains in the world, the Himalayas, mm. uh, near India and China, that there has been some growth in glacier uh, formation, but... Uh, that's the exception, not the rule. And I think there is a little part of Antarctica that's growing, but then there's another part of Antarctica that's retreating. Yep. And the icebergs are ending up in the ocean. So uh, leaving aside the infamous humorous event, I don't know if you heard about this, but the uh, drunk British dudes that stole a penguin from SeaWorld in Australia. No, I hadn't heard about this. This is just too funny to even... Uh, Recall, but uh, yeah, you should check this out. This is really funny. <laughs> Hopefully, the penguin wasn't harmed. He apparently wasn't. Okay. I think they saw him walking and they said, hmm, that's kind of the way I'm walking. I think this guy can be a little furry friend of ours. <laughs> These are these are incidents at SeaWorld over the years. You know, the famous guy that decided to go swimming with... Naked uh, with uh, Shamu? Yeah, with, to kill him. That was the name of the orca, the killer whale. <laughs> Needless to say, this guy did not survive. <laughs> and I always loved that name, to kill him. Yeah. It's like, hmm. Sometimes English is omniopia. Right, I wonder what'll happen if we get in this tank. <laughs> Reckless behavior. <clears throat> well, uh, while we're on the subject of uh, aquatic life, I'll just quickly mention this rather, also rather humorous item. Uh, of course, the Queen of England will be having her golden jubilee later this year. And of course, for uh, royalists, and America seems to be filled with people who just love that royal family, uh, will be all excited about this. Uh, of course, Kiki Wigglesworth and her princely husband have celebrated their first anniversary. But uh, amusing item in the Detroit Free Press last week about how lamprey eels are an endangered species in England, mm -hmm. and they are uh, part of a traditional English uh, cuisine treat. Of course, the idea of English cuisine is something of an oxymoron. Their food is, uh, leaves a little bit to be desired, with the exception of their cheese and ale. Uh, but eel pies are a traditional festive uh, treat. And so lamprey eels from 
Michigan's Lake Huron will be part of the delicious royal festivities. They've only requested, because again, they are a protected species there. Uh, We've got more than we want here in the Great Lakes. They're uh, a problem and a hazard to uh, naturally occurring creatures here in the Great Lakes system. Uh, they breed in rivers, and so it's believed that their uh, Lake Erie has a super abundance of uh, eels at the moment. But the queen won't be eating of eating any of those eels because they've put an anti-lamprey toxin into the tributaries of Lake Erie. Apparently, that hasn't happened in Lake Huron. So, God save the queen. Yes, and her eel pie regime. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that she's having eel pie because uh, the uh, British government recently got into a huge controversy over a new tax that they've imposed on on pies. Right. Pasties. Hot food. Right. Take out food. Uh, This is uh, part of the British value added system. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was recently announced that the British economy has gone into recession yet again. the austerity measures in Great Britain don't seem to be working terribly well. Cameron's a little bit on the ropes for other reasons connected to the root. Uh, oh, the Murdoch thing Murdoch has gotten scandal. even weirder, yeah. So it's interesting that she's eating pie. <laughs> <laughs> Did she pay the value added tax? If only she can conclude her meal by let the meat kick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the pasty is. Uh, uh, apparently, it's it's a fairly substantial increase in the price of uh, takeout food, and the, there's been an uproar about the tax on pasties. Uh, well, of course, it's no word at the Secret Service. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, as making uh, a run on. As, as we've talked about here, uh, with the economic downturn that we've suffered here, uh, the restaurant industry is is heavily hit by that because, of course, margins are paper thin in the food service industries. And so for, you know, merchants and marketeers in Britain who sell hot food, takeout food, uh, they see a, a noteworthy decline in sales when uh, the taxes go up on it. So it doesn't seem to be the best way to approach it, but you've got to cut something. Uh, well, no, actually, they don't cut as much there. They just add on a new tax. We we don't do it that way here. Well, that's what's interesting about the British approach. They actually have gone for some tax increases combined with the uh, spending cuts. And this, of course, is generally not the way you uh, perform fiscal policy in moments of downturns. You want to do pretty much just the opposite. Right. So that's not happening. Speaking of other strange stories about food... Uh, there's been a big um, ongoing brouhaha in China about this uh, British business tycoon connected to the wife of a uh, oh right top Chinese uh, communist uh, Bo Bo whatever his name is not not to be confused with Boo Radley but <laughs> he's been sacked from the Politburo and there's a murder investigation underway but uh, speaking of strange stories from China regarding m- murder and allegations of poison. I saved this strange item from the 5th of January in the New York Times from Shanghai about, and and I'll just uh, read the first couple of paragraphs. David uh, Barboza wrote this and said, uh, this is Shanghai, 1st of uh, January 2012. There is one very disagreeable ingredient in the steaming hot pot stew that may have killed a Chinese tycoon, and it was not the cat meat. The police have detained a local township official 
in suspicion that he murdered the tycoon, a business associate, who may have caught the official cheating by dropping a poisonous herb into a cat meat hot pot, a shared stew that is a local delicacy, China-run state news media reported Wednesday. So, uh, cat stew, <laughs> poisonous herbs. Uh, I think there may be a, a connection in how you ascertain. Uh, of course, this is the uh, joke about ancient <laughs> ancient Chinese secrets. <laughs> <laughs> That's the old laundry ad, yeah. Yes, the old laundry ad, but... Uh, well, I remember a number of Mad Magazine cartoons with the behind the scenes at a Chinese kitchen and there's lots of cat cat shopping going on. And, you know, personally, I have to say that uh, I don't know why Americans don't eat dogs. Uh, there's nothing wrong with eating dogs or cats. Quite frankly, if you want to eat dogs and cats, why should you not? Uh, just don't eat somebody else's dog or cat. You know, meat's meat, right? It's an animal. God didn't want us to eat meat. Uh why did he make animals out of meat? <laughs> I joke a little bit there. It is the dinner time hour, but uh, I'm not much of a dog uh, person, so yum, yum. Uh, arf, arf. Arf, arf. <laughs> a little greasy, though, I'm told. Well, I'm fortunate to have never had either one and never intend to have either one. Uh, strikes me as... Uh, I, obviously, in a, in a country like China that historically is, has been overpopulated, <laughs> uh, these kinds of dishes uh, are very, you know, incomprehensible to Americans, I believe. But uh, right. scarcity. Well, you know, Native Americans ate dog. Uh, horse, of course, is an, an animal that you typically don't eat unless there are really hard times. Yeah. In wartime. Uh, there's famous photos of uh, people coming and carving up fallen horses from World War One, sure, uh, and taking pieces home to cook and eat. But a horse is a noble creature, and we typically do not eat them. And obviously, that's why we don't eat cats and dogs. They're pets; they're part of the family, and so forth. But uh, push comes to shove, and uh, real famine sets in. Um, you look at dogs a little differently, I suspect. <laughs> I've never personally eaten one myself. Well, yeah, the, the hot dogs would be the closest uh, I would have come. The poisonous uh, herb uh, remains unidentified, but uh, I'm sure that there are plenty of them in China, and this may explain the uh, because it is alleged that this uh, British tycoon was probably poisoned mm -hmm. somehow. Uh, he, the official cause of death was a uh, uh, heart attack, but that seems to. Uh, not be the case. Speaking of heart attacks and mysterious deaths, you heard that a uh, former high-ranking Libyan official was fished out of the Danube yeah. River mm -hmm. in uh, Vienna the other day. I don't know if it's been announced since what the autopsy report is. It's believed that he may have had a heart attack and just fallen in. But it would be bizarre to think that since you know Gaddafi's gone and that regime has been toppled, that there might have been foul play involved. But uh, kind of random to just end up in the river. Yeah, who knows? Uh, the Blue Danube has now strikes again. <laughs> a little purple. That's right. <laughs> I was going to read this item about the pink slime production cut in Texas, but we'll save that for another day. Yeah, I think we had we, enough meat talk. I think we've overplayed the uh, grotesque food. Yeah. Well, let me let me throw this one out here then because this takes it in a more positive and uplifting direction. 
Uh, the Detroit Free Press recently ran a short piece by a local Detroiter named Khalila Burt Gaston, uh, in which she argues uh, the power of art can transform empty spaces. Of course, there's a huge problem in Detroit with uh, city officials quantifying approximately 40 square miles or 26,000 acres of vacant land in Detroit. Yeah, that, so that's many, been disputed, but it, well, it, it is high. It's, it's very high. It yeah. may not be quite that high, yeah, but yeah. all you have to do is drive through a neighborhood in Detroit, not the downtown areas, certainly, where there is some uh, activity and signs of life. But uh, in the, the residential neighborhood areas of Detroit, there's house after house that are empty, abandoned, neglected. And uh, she writes uh, here, thoughtful and creative interventions into the physical landscape of our neighborhoods and civic spaces must be viewed as legitimate contributors to the productive reuse of vacant land. She's basically arguing for art projects and programs and noting that the Heidelberg project, uh, of course, unique, most Ann Arborites I'm sure are familiar with, have maybe even been to see the Heidelberg project. But uh, 275,000 annual visitors come to see this piece of art, mm -hmm. uh, public art, in uh, Detroit. And I remember some years ago, uh, Dick, you arguing that what Detroit should do is tear as many of these things down as possible and just plant trees. Yeah. And it could become the greenest uh, city in North America. Um and that would certainly be a way to reinvigorate uh, Detroit on the cheap. There's got to be a way to find the money to demolish these abandoned houses. These are the sources and sites of crime and uh, all sorts of uh, behavior that uh, reduces the value of the property of the uh, actual buildings where people are still living. Uh, maybe there's a reality TV show just waiting to happen here. Des destroy a Detroit home. Bring in a crew of... Uh, rambunctious teenagers and give them some power tools and uh, film them demolishing a house. And block by block, we could harvest this uh, raw energy uh, to affect a, a positive change. And I think she makes a good point here. Why not have more public art? Why not come up with some creative local ideas uh, to get rid of the blemish of these uh, abandoned and neglected properties. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mention that because just a couple weeks ago I sort of fortuitously went to see the uh, um, U of M, the U University of Michigan film student presentation, uh, and th they showed five shorts in one of the movies in particular uh, maybe the most documentary-oriented of the of the pictures uh, featured some of the good things that are going on in Detroit. Mm. Uh, one, of course, involved a bakery that's uh, growing, expanding, and uh, provides uh, baked goods uh, even here in Ann Arbor. Uh, one was the revival of a, a, a possible art movie house down, uh, sort of down near Old Tiger Stadium. But one of the other featured. Uh, sort of stories within the story, because it was about a 25-minute movie. It was about another a fellow similar to the Heidelberg Project that was doing art in a public, massive way hmm. with abandoned buildings that the city um, has neglected, and they've, they're, they're putting it to constructive use. Yeah. So this was, a, and the, the, interestingly, the other story in this uh, f sort of four stories within a story was about an old record uh, pressing company that still oh. is making records in Detroit. And I wish I had the name of the record uh, company on the top of my head, but I think it might have been Archer. 
uh, local label, it showed them with the old-fashioned vinyl pressing machines, still in operation. Uh, it was a family business. So mm. I thought it was uh, an interesting story about some good things that are going on in Detroit. And, of course, we know all about the controversy regarding the, the possible takeover, the massive uh, budget cuts that are, uh, that are contemplated, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Uh, hopefully these uh, things can be worked out. But I think that it is a massive blunder by the Michigan State Legislature, uh, controlled by the Republicans, who are blocking the building of a new bridge to Canada. Yep. And that's the, this has been go this controversy's been goes back to Granholm. Granholm tried to get this through several years ago. They're blocking that uh, bill, um, in basically to pander to. Uh, the uh, Maroon family, and they're... Owners of the Ambassador Bridge. Owners of the Ambassador Bridge, where there are these massive truck tie-ups. There's incredible fossil fuel being wasted because of the inefficiency. And this is a palpable example of why the GOP is not uh, pro-business. you you got to look at, at the facts sometimes. They're the ones that are anti-business because it's the Republicans in the state legislature that are preventing Rick Snyder another Republican who's in favor of this idea. Uh, did Detroit needs an infusion of some money from the state of Michigan. And I don't understand why this isn't a little more urgent. Yes, there probably need to be some reforms within the city government. But, uh, you, you know, the austerity measures that are, that, that are being imposed around the world globally, particularly in Europe at this point, are not working. And even Barack Obama knows this. He's co pointing out that the, the, the countries that, that have weathered the storm of the so-called Great Recession the best are the ones that have passed stimulus bills, mm -hmm. not imposed austerity measures. So some of these obsessions with debt at the moment are short-sighted. I agree with Paul Krugman completely on the big picture on this. You raise taxes when you're in recovery. You cut taxes when you're in slack periods. Now is not the time to be talking about austerity. And this obsession, the, the issue with the debt, by the way, is not debt per se. It's what, is the, what caused the debt. Where did we spend right. the money? And Gray Matters, I think, can s proudly say that we've had misplaced priorities down in this country for 25 years. At least. At least. It goes back to the Cold War. This is where we wasted the money. The Vietnam War, the Iraq War, these wars have not been paid for. They're destructive. They're unproductive. They do not contribute to the economy. They cause long-term societal damage, as we're seeing from the problems that veterans are having returning from the uh, battlefields of Iran, uh, excuse me, of Iraq and Afghanistan. And it's, it, it, we, this country needs to wake up. It needs some glasnost yeah. and perestroika. We need Gorbachev. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we would like to mention that uh, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Uh, Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. I'd like to thank Andrew for engineering once again this evening. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of a, speaking of... Uh, taxes and debt and uh, priorities and so forth. Uh, currently, Obama's uh, putting pressure on lawmakers to prevent a doubling of interest rates on student loans. Uh, according to uh, Shaheen Nasipur, 
uh, writing for the Financial Times, at more than 11, $1 trillion outstanding student debt in the U.S. has surpassed car loans and credit cards as the second largest source of consumer debt after home mortgages. Um, that's a pretty remarkable statistic. It's a remarkable